The department says there are no quotas. Well, I could tell you there are quotas in the NYPD. Truly explosive allegations. They're coming from police officers who are part of what's being called the NYPD 12, who filed a class action lawsuit in federal court. This is not just another lawsuit. 12 cops willing to step up like this, because you're not going to get this again for 100 years. Hold it for one quick second. Now to record. From the beginning, I saw how this job was. It's not about helping people, it's about numbers. Who's targeted most? The minority community. Boom. And all this got dismissed. All this got dismissed. Once you start getting arrested, it goes in your record. They're taking away jobs that they could be future lawyers, future cops. Supervisors that are using police officers as a revenue-producing agent for the city. This system has to change. We all put our jobs on the line. We put everything on the line. This is something that was placed on my desk. You're still a police officer. And there are people in our community that don't work with police officers, period. This is David versus Goliath. Without public support, we're nothing. How long do you think you're going to keep the powder keg cap on? I believe in struggle, and with struggle comes change. Can the NYPD be what cops are supposed to be? Alright guys, welcome back to Serial Spirits, the podcast. It is me, your host, Brendan Shea, and with me as always is the beautiful, the lovely. Annie Weebs, how are you, Shea Bay? Well, it's sunny outside, the weather's beautiful, we got the pool set up. It's beautiful. It's summertime. It's summertime. I'm so glad. I think everybody's finally starting to feel a little more normal. But our show today is going to show you how abnormal people can really be. Yeah, you know, we wanted to take some time and talk about some of the things going on in the world, some of the things we've watched during our quarantine months, and just talk about some of these news stories that we covered before on the podcast in little snippets, but we want to, you know, as the cases progressed, more stuff came out about them, so we're going to talk about that today. So hence this week, do-do-do-do-do-do-do, weekly weird news. Weekly weird news. But we do want to take a second to address all the crazy stuff going on in the world. I mean, 2020 so far has been, wow, I can't even, it's... We need a reset button. Yeah, it's been pretty bad. It started out with the Australian wildfires burning half the continent of Australia down, and it just went downhill from there. And as we see, you know, as we're recording this this past week, we see all the protests, uh, on the murder of George Floyd and man, like it's just been, I don't know. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy that the state of the world is in right now, especially the United States. It is, but these stories vary a little bit from that today. We're going to take you all the way around the block with just some really strange news. But before we get into some of this stuff, I want to give you an update on the remains that were found in Wayne County, West Virginia. We talked about it a few months back, and we still don't have any definitive answer on on what who these remains could be, and we're still waiting on that. So if you guys hear something before we do, please let us know. Well, she's talking, referring to the case of Samantha Burns. We had been told that it was possible that those uh, remains were Samantha Burns, which is a case that we have covered for more than a year now. I'm close friends with someone in Sam's family, but as of right now, there has been no definitive answer. 
So we're looking for answers on that. We're waiting on that. The second we find out, guys, we will we'll let you know without a doubt. So before Annie starts digging into her little story that she's got here, because she's got a couple weird ones, I want to give a shout out to our patrons, Bethany Hammontree and Cool Scout 09. And if you would like to become a patron of Paranormal Warehouse, please go to patreon.com forward slash Paranormal Warehouse and you can become a patron. Support us. Support all the shows. So what do we got today, Annie? Okay, Shay, I have two unusual stories. We're going to start out in Richmond, California. I'm reading you a news article from the Mercury News. This is dated June 3rd, 2020, written by Nate Gartrell, and it's entitled, Accused Richmond Cannibal Used Ice Pick to Murder Grandma. Oh my goodness, the, the title itself is just intriguing. Richmond, California, a man accused of killing and partially eating his 90-year-old grandmother used a knife and an ice pick in the crime, according to prosecutors who charged him with murder on Wednesday. Dwayne Wallach, age 37, was charged with murdering 90-year-old Ruby Wallach, his grandmother with whom he lived. The charging records include enhancements alleging Dwayne killed his grandmother with both a knife and an ice pick. Wallach's bail has been set at $1.1 million. Wallach was arrested Monday afternoon after police responded to a 911 call reporting a man standing over a bloody woman's body. When police entered the home, they allegedly found Wallach standing over his grandmother and cannibalizing her. Officers ordered him to stop, but he ignored them and continued what he was doing. Police used a stun gun, and after a struggle, he was handcuffed and arrested. Police believe unspecified drugs may have played a role in the crime. So yeah, that's a, uh, you know, it's another, sounds like a maybe bath salts incident that this guy got super high on something. He murdered granny with an ice pick and knife and then ate her. It's almost like that drug Flocka that you saw a couple of years ago. They were saying it was like the zombie apocalypse drug. People like were walking around in almost a zombie state, but were attacking people and eating their flesh. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And the worst part, what it didn't say in this article, but I read in another one, was that her daughter, Ruby's daughter, was actually the one who walked in on this incident happening. So she was watching her nephew eat her mother after he murdered her. God, that's, oh man. Can you, could you imagine walking in on that? No, not at all. So this one just happened this week. We'll have to wait and see what happens in the future. Um, I did read in another article that he was not really being, he was sent to a hospital for evaluation, but it was not a psychiatric hospital. He sustained some type of wounds during the struggle, I guess, either with police or with his grandmother. And so he has no history of mental illness. But does he have history of drug use of any type? They didn't say that. They didn't say that. So we'll we'll have to see how this one plays out. Yeah, that's that's a pretty creepy, crazy story there. Well, Annie, my story's not creepy. It's actually a uh, follow-up of a story we covered on a snippet a few months back. We did a snippet called Ohio Crime News, and this was one of the things we talked about. It's something that kind of hit close home to home to me because it's about the weather, more specifically, the weather man. Okay, and I had watched this guy for my whole life growing up, so just imagine the shock and awe when you see somebody that you're familiar with every single day You see his smiling face on TV telling you it's going to rain today, it's going to be sunny today, and then you find out that he is arrested on child porn charges, and you're like, holy crap. But not only that, this guy was around 
I'm an electrician, and I actually worked in the building for WBNS 10 TV News, worked in the building, seen this guy plenty of times, and there could have been times where I was fixing light fixtures outside of his office, and he could have been in there looking at kitty porn. How creepy is that? That's pretty creepy. So this guy was super well-known, and I think that's one of the reasons that the case got so much publicity. And so he was sentenced this week. We actually watched the sentencing, and you're kind of on edge because you hear you hear the judge kind of going through this really long statement of what she wanted to say and then him kind of interjecting and her just saying, you know, you need to shut up. You, you, you've said and done enough. It's my turn to talk and this is going to be your punishment. I promise you, Judge Phipps, I will never uh, look at these things again. From behind his mask, Mike Davis apologized to friends, family, and former TV viewers. But the judge pointed out that until today, Davis had never voiced concern about the child victims in the 16,000 pornographic images he had downloaded over a seven-year period. You refer to the children as it, and you compare the collection of offensive, illegal pornography of the abuse and repeated abuse of children to the same as toys, comic books, and wine. Well, last September, former WBNS 10TV weatherman Mike Davis was arrested on child porn charges. He was said to have, get this, 15,912 images of child pornography that was traced to a Central Ohio email address that belonged to Davis. The images that were downloaded involved young girls exposing themselves or engaging in sex acts with adults, and the youngest one was reported to be four years old. Now you hear that and you just it just enrages you. Davis had entered a guilty plea on January 30th to those three counts. He was scheduled to be sentenced on March 25th of this year, but coronavirus, you know, shut down all the courts in Ohio. Ohio was one of them states that it hit really hard. It was rescheduled or postponed. On May 27th, we actually got to watch him be sentenced because uh, WBNS did a Facebook Live and uh, it was on there. And yeah, he got ripped apart by the judge because he basically sat there and made it sound like he was, you know, I'm healed. I've been going to therapy, but he made it all about himself. And the judge, she wasn't she wasn't about to hear any of his crap. Like he was trying to manipulate the court and she just read right through it right away. Well, and the main thing that she brought up was the fact that part of his, I guess, home confinement between his arrest and his trial was the fact that he was to have no internet use whatsoever. And he had already violated that. He had already been online. And so when the judge says, what were you doing on there? He said something about, he was looking up something that had to do with his own trial. No, I'm going to call BS on that right there, 100%. He's already violating what you've told him not to do. This guy cannot well, help that, yeah, himself. That was part of the agreement with his bail. When In his bail right. hearing, when they did the bail thing, he said, his lawyer frantically said, you know, he'll have a flip phone. He won't have access to anything. Right. He just needs a phone to be able to contact his attorneys for legal matters, for counseling sessions. And basically what he was doing with his counseling sessions was he would go to an empty parking lot and his counselor would meet him in this empty parking lot and they would sit in the cars. She, you know, they, the counselor would be in one car, he'd be in another one and they talk via a telephone. And he basically talked about 
how this helped him, you know, whatever. But he did not have any kind of counseling for sex therapy or porn addiction or anything. It was just basically just a regular counseling session. If he was going to counseling sessions, if he was doing telehealth appointments and he's literally just calling or FaceTiming his doctor, why didn't he have to go to an empty parking lot and be alone to do it? I don't know. I have no idea. And that's that's one of the weird things about it. But, you know, like I said, the judge showed little remorse. It's funny. You watch this thing. He's standing there with his uh, blue surgical mask on. You know, you can't see all you see is his eyes, which, you know, kind of can tell at all. You can see what he's what he can tell. He's nervous. He 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 doesn't know what's going to happen. He's scared to death. His lawyer even gets ripped a new one by the judge. She said that he showed little remorse of his crimes, and she said, quote unquote, you did not get help for your addiction. She called the facts of this case horrendous. She said his concern was not for the children he victimized, but for himself. So I'm going to read the quote, you know, that the judge said to him, and it was very powerful. These are victims who were groomed and abused for years to get them to participate in these acts. You chose to support an industry that re-victimized these children over years and years. You groomed your family and your co-workers to allow you to engage in a sex offense for seven years and go undetected, she said. She basically said, you're going to jail. No, no time served, no nothing. He got four years and he has to register as a sex offender probably for the rest of his life. And the reason why he got four years was because he did not engage in what they they couldn't have any proof of that he engaged in actually molesting or being around young children. But still, this was a guy who was well-known throughout the community. 30 years he was on the air, and he got what he deserved, I guess. This was a guy that when this crime was first made public, all these pictures came out of him uh, posing at events with Jared Fogle, yeah. the guy, the subway guy who was also busted for the same thing. So it makes you wonder, was this on a much larger scale than anybody is yet to realize. Well, they all run in circles together. Right. Jared Fogle actually was convicted of, he would get young prostitutes, like young exactly. kids, like the sex trafficking. And he's so. proudly posing in pictures with this guy that were like on his own personal Facebook page. So what else was this guy capable of that we didn't know? What did he do? Four years is not enough at all. And you hear them reading the sentence. And for each of the crimes, it says, you know, there's a four to six year possible sentence, whatever. But at the end of the day, the four year span with the years of probation were all that's all that he received. And it's not enough at all, because this guy is capable of so much. This guy is a monster, and he hides it well because of the persona that he's built up on TV. This is how people view him, this jovial weatherman. He's a predator, and he needs to be in prison for much longer than four years. Well, if he goes, to, you know, when he's there, I'm sure that he might, because of his stature in the community, unless he's completely 100% ousted and has no supporters left, they might put him in protective custody because prison justice is worse than well, that was part judicial of what, justice. That's part of what came up in the sentencing. Remember, his attorney said, we're asking for uh, protection in prison, not because of that, but because of the COVID-19 outbreak and he has health problems. So we have to protect him. And they do. They do that wah, kind of wah, wah. Who they, was there they, to protect, protect those protect children? Them. No one no. was. Exactly. And, you know, he wasn't the one who was taking the pictures, but he was downloading them and he's sharing them. And I'm sure there was a whole big group of these guys who sit around and share child porn with each other. And Epstein didn't kill himself. 
All right. So we'll see how this one plays out too. So Weebs, you got you got one more weird story you want to talk about here. I do have another weird story. This one is more a crime story, but I'm bringing it back home. I'm bringing it back to West Virginia. Reel it in. So this was posted um, on the New York Post, June 4th, 2020. This is a story by Lee Brown. I actually saw this on our local news, but this was a much more detailed article. It's titled, West Virginia Woman Who Faked Death to Avoid Prison Sentence Found Hiding in Her Closet. Oh, God. Here we go. A West Virginia woman faked her death to avoid a potential 10-year prison term, but was found hiding in a closet at home after a massive three-day search. Julie Wheeler was reported missing Sunday by her husband and her 17-year-old son, who said she fell over the main overlook at the New River Gorge National River. It led to a huge multi-agency search and rescue mission with helicopters, dogs, repellers, and a diving crew searching in the nearby gorge. As part of the search, investigators got a search warrant to get her phone and her computer and found her alive and well on Tuesday, hiding a closet in her home in Beaver. You remember Beaver, West Virginia, Shay. That's where we stayed at that cabin on my birthday last year. Beautiful little town. This whole place is gorgeous. This is a gorgeous area. Wheeler and her husband, Rodney, were arrested Tuesday on multiple charges, including conspiracy and giving false information to the West Virginia State Police. It's unclear now whether her son, who was also accused in the criminal complaint of helping plant items to look like she fell off the cliff, will face criminal charges. He's only 17. Julie Wheeler pleaded guilty to federal health care fraud in February after scamming $300,000 from the Veterans Administration. She faced up to 10 years in prison and a fine of more than $250,000 for what the prosecutors called despicable crimes. So, Shay, I looked up a little more information about this crime because it just said defrauding the Veterans Administration. So I thought, does she work at the hospital? Let's see what happens. So this article came from justice.gov, and it was posted on Tuesday, February 11th. 2020. So basically what it says is that Julie Wheeler had defrauded the Spina Bifida Healthcare Benefits Program of the Veterans Administration, stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars from innocent victims. The VA provided healthcare benefits to certain Korean and Vietnam War veterans' children who were diagnosed with Spina Bifida, you know, because of like all the Agent Orange stuff that happened. The person that Julie took care of, who they only note in this article under the initials KL, said was related to Wheeler, and she also said she was the owner of a home care services company that she called JRW Home Care Support. She was hired to provide services to KL because KL had spina bifida at an approved rate of $736 a day. She was filing these applications to the VA, saying that she was providing this health care to KL, and they were paying her $736 a day. Wow. That's jaw-dropping. So what they came to find out, because somebody tipped them off, was that she actually wasn't caring for KL at all. She said that she was. Wheeler gave a statement to the VA and the FBI admitting that she greatly inflated the rate and quality of the care that she provided to KL. 
This was corroborated by witnesses, and she admitted that her conduct defrauded the VA of hundreds of thousands of dollars and deprived her victim of the services. KL has since passed away. It's so sad. Not only is she defrauding all of these other entities that could be paying out money, then the person that she was actually supposed to take care of actually died. And so she thought her only recourse instead of going to prison was that she and her husband and her teenage son could lie and fake her own death. What a sack, man. What a sack. Exactly. How much much money a day? $736 a day. A day. That's like, that's more than I make in a week. That's nuts. So he, so her youngest son was convicted too because he made it look like she had jumped off the, the well, No, bridge. they haven't filed charges yet because he's only a teenager. So I guess they'll wait and see how that plays out. You know, can they try him as an adult or are they just going to say, listen, we got the person that we wanted and now she's going to face even more time because she defrauded the state police. They tried to fake her death by saying she fell off the New River Gorge Overlook. Wow. If anybody's ever been there, it's, uh, it's pretty high. Pretty high up in the air, and it's a beautiful uh, if place. you fell off, you would not, you would not live. No, you would not survive. So, you missed the joke I told earlier. I said it was gorgeous. Gorgeous, yeah. If you fell off of there, it's it's just a search and recover. It's not a search and rescue. But she was in her closet. But she was hiding in her bedroom closet. What a sack of shit. So as we've been on this quarantine for the past few months, you know, me and Annie have spent a lot of time watching some of these new crime documentaries that came out some of these old ones you know if you come to our house usually uh oxygen is on all the time or dateline secrets uncovered we're constantly keep trying to keep up with some of these stories finding new stories and we just ultimately like watching them but annie found one and i'm going to let her talk a little bit about it that kind of goes along with what's happening in the world today um with the black lives matter movement and just everything that that entails police corruption and all this other stuff you know i'm a firm believer that i respect people in authority i do i have a problem with authority sometimes but i do respect authority i respect rules but when you get down to the end of it and i'll go into this a little more when you get to the bottom of it like really there is corruption at the highest levels and it's all about money it's all about numbers it's all about trying to scam everybody And I've been saying this for months now, like you can believe in your government and you can believe in whatever, but I don't think they care about us at the end of the day. I honestly think we're on our own. But Annie, talk about this this documentary that you sat down and watched. I caught maybe the last half hour of it and it was really good. But let's talk a little bit about it because it does tie into what's going on in the world today. I found it on Hulu. It's called Crime and Punishment. It was released in 2018. And if you guys go to the website, crimeandpunishment.com, dot com, you will see just the list of accolades and awards for this uh, publication. So it was a documentary about a group of New York City police officers and detectives that called themselves the NYPD 12. And it goes back years, basically them saying that they are being um, discriminated against most of them because of their race But they are being told that they have to get a certain amount. They have quotas that they have to reach as far as summons that they send out to people or arrests that they have to make. They actually call the arrest callers, C-O-L-L-A-R, in this documentary. And so it follows this group, the NYPD 12. They're whistleblowers. 
and they are trying to bring to light what the NYPD is trying to make them do. And then they go down this road of how they are discriminated against and bullied and pressured into basically trying to leave their positions or shut up about the corruption that's going on in the New York City Police Department. There's also another officer, former officer, that they follow who has become a private investigator and has made it his mission to go out into the city and find people that have been falsely arrested and basically get statements from them to try to bring justice to some of these cases. I think during one point in the documentary, it says that there was something like $900 million obtained from these summonses and court cases that were later dropped because they had absolutely no evidence, no bearings. And then they're interviewing some of the people that these cases were brought against, and they just basically say, it destroyed my life. You know, I've spent all this time, all this money that I didn't have to appear in court basically for a bogus crime because this cop needed a quota. And they send out all these emails saying it's illegal. There's no such thing as quotas. And then some of these guys actually go kind of undercover wearing wires and recording conversations where they're being told 100% the opposite thing. It makes you realize that we cannot trust everything that goes on in our judicial system. We can't always trust the police. I'm not saying all police are bad. I'm just saying that some of these guys and, and women continue to do this because this is their livelihood and they can't lose it. And in this documentary, it's not just, you know, African-American officers that are doing this. There's a, there's a couple white guys. There's a, uh, a Hispanic gentleman right. who's, who's part of this, too. I mean, it's not just it's happening to all races. I mean, it's, it's enough to really, really make you pissed. Well, it's enough to make you see the truth. And that's what this documentary does so beautifully is exposing the truth in some of these lies. And you realize that this has been going on for so long. If you guys watch the live show that I do on Paranormal Warehouse last week, I had Steve brought on and we discussed the case of Mytrice Richardson. Mytrice was a 24-year-old African-American girl who vanished in a very rich part of Malibu, California. She was released by the police after her behavior and her mentality really spoke to the fact that something was not okay with her. And her family was told that she would be held for kind of a, a psychological holding, at least until the morning, until they could get there. And what they later found out was that Mytrice was released in the middle of the night with no cell phone, no vehicle, no wallet, and her remains were found almost a year later under very mysterious circumstances and were completely mishandled by the police there. And so these cases go back for decades, but because of social media and because of what's happening right now, we're just hearing about some of the atrocities that have happened to these people. Someone made a point the other day, and it was it's actually a really good point. You see some of the things that are happening. And again, it's not all law enforcement. That's what you have to keep in mind. It's not all law enforcement, but you see some of the peaceful protests going on, people who are being punched and kicked and abused on camera. And these 
police officers know they're on camera. So just kind of think about keeping in mind what happens behind closed doors, what happens when they're not on camera. You know, just remember all that stuff. On the website for Crime and Punishment, again, it was crimeandpunishmentdoc.com. They have several resources that you can go to and look for more information if you're interested in hearing more about these cases. You can go to www.12nycops.org, www.gatheringforjustice.org, and also www.changethenypd.org for more information about that documentary and these cases. I just want to add one more thing before we say goodbye to you guys this week. So if you guys are out there uh, peacefully protesting, we support you. We're behind you. Just be careful. Love your neighbor. Take care of each other. And we'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Serial Spirits podcast. Follow us on all your social media apps, facebook.com slash Serial Spirits, on Twitter at Serial Spirits, Listen to us on all podcasting platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you subscribe. Follow us on our mothership at paranormalwarehouse.com. Become a patron today, www.patreon.com forward slash paranormalwarehouse. Until next time, be aware and be safe.